Hey, it's Citizen Cosmos, we're Serge and Anna, and we discover Cosmos by chatting with awesome people from various teams and communities. Join us if you are curious how dreams and ambitions become code. Hi everyone, Serge and Anna here again, and today we're going to chat with Harry Chow, who is the co-founder of IrisNet and the founder of Bianji AI, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. And welcome to the show, Harriet. Very happy to speak to you. Hello, everyone. Thanks very much for inviting me to the podcast. So it is my really great pleasure to be here together with you all. Yeah, thanks. You're really, you're not a very easy person to find. We spent a few weeks trying to find you, but we found you finally and very happy to have you. <laughs> you must be very busy. Uh, yes, indeed. Like it is very busy. A lot of development work going on and also uh, ecosystem is uh, expanding. And I guess also other thing is uh, I don't check Telegram very often. I usually do that once a day. So that's why like you might find me delayed by one day in response. Sometime. Yeah, it's a good thing though, isn't it? If you're busy, it means that everything is working. So <laughs> that is a good thing. I'm going to jump to a question straight away. I found different information about you. Before I start asking different questions, first question that I have always for people is how did you start with IrisNet? How did the project begin? What is the history? How did you start to do it? What was the idea? Anything you want to say? Actually, I always hesitate a little bit just talking about myself because for Arisnet, it has been a more than, I think it's more than three years journey altogether. And so there are a lot of work has been put together by the team from the community. It might be easy. I can start it from my story and the journey, like how we get to blockchain and then how we decided to start on Aries project. Actually, before I work for my startup, I used to be leading IBM research in Shanghai. And all my career has been focusing on heavy computing on data and enterprise and how to leverage the data, do more smart enterprise applications. So I always feel like there should be a better way to support the collaboration among the different parties. So by this way, we can solve many challenges such as like data privacy, the ownership, yeah, because my past job is all about data. So that's why like I got very excited in 2016 when I see like the early version of Ethereum. So I saw like block blockchain is the perfect foundation to support all these requirements such as uh, collaboration and privacy protection. So that's why I got excited and also very lucky I got the support from Wenxiang blockchain and they were our angel investor. We just started a team in Shanghai. But very soon, I guess like if everyone remembered 2016, at that time, the blockchain is indeed very immature. As soon as one we are trying to use that for the real world applications, we found none of that really work. So later on, like I might also share with you more how we found Tendermint. And so that's why we started to use like Tendermint to trying to build the foundation. And so we are doing some really interesting work with our collaborators. And then later on, we encouraged and also supported by many great minds in the field, such like Jay and also Ethan Bucky. And uh, so we found like some of our foundational work, such as like, the service layer we build could be helpful to other people. So that's why we started to do the better 
productization and to bring like the service layer into the blockchain. And then we started to build the ArisNet. I hope that is a short story about how we get started with blockchain <laughs> and then how we landed on ArisNet project. That sounds really exciting. But one question I just understand is how did you get into it personally? I mean, you said 2016, you said you're working with IBM and I was going to ask you that later, but it's good that you already mentioned it. But still, how did you suddenly, because I'm not going to lie, I went on your LinkedIn and I went to look how what you did before and you had like a jump there from IBM suddenly to blockchain. How did it happen? Where was the, the connection? What made you jump from one of the biggest and most promising biggest companies that probably, you know, where they have good conditions and everything, you know, and go and do startups. I mean, that sounds crazy. I think to me, it is very nature. I have already been working with IBM research for more than 60 years and in various positions, but I have always been working on the technology field. I have to say, like, I'm very grateful working with all the most smart mind from IBM Research. And uh, just like later, when I get into more senior management level position in IBM, like I was the director for IBM Research Lab in Shanghai. And uh, I just feel the urge. I want to, how should I say, like, I can see more direct impact of technology to our industry. I want to like, because in a startup, I think the most beautiful thing is you actually can define what you want to do. And uh, so that's why like, I decided I want to uh, do a startup because we feel like we found a great area we can make impact. And then also like very luckily we also got the financial support say like from Wan Xiang and also from another collaborator. I just feel like it's really nice and I want to take the risk and uh, just want to kind of have this opportunity, we can do something like we can define what it should be look like and have more direct impact. It makes a lot of sense to me personally. And Yeah, I think it's a big step, to be honest with you. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the differences between corporate and decentralized working environments. Could you tell us uh, how you personally distinguish the pros and cons of being in each of one of them? I think like that is really a great question because it is so different in like the corporate of course for the working environment it is very centralized and uh, sometimes of course like you feel uh, it could be it has some efficiency because if, especially like in IBM I remember like if we want to solve a challenge and if there is an area I'm not familiar with and if I just open up like what we call the blue page it's kind of like an IM so a lookup directory so I could always find an expert and then I can connect with them on the IM and ask questions so with a big corporate sometimes you feel it is very easy you get a lot of uh, resource and it is just provided by the platform. And in working in the decentralized world and also working in the in the startup, of course, like as a founder, I found that there is an immediate switch. You all of a sudden you need to really find your way in the decentralized world, how to leverage the help 
and the support. But once you are really getting into that, then you find the great power of the decentralized world because from the GitHub, also from like the community, and then that type of collaboration is so different from a big corporate. You are no, no longer just bound by an organization. You are not just working for a revenue KPI. So people are tied together by the vision, by the value they focus on. And so then that actually build up a stronger bonding, actually enable more efficient collaboration. So that is a good part of the decentralization. Like it's so, with a lot of, how should I say, like very vivid, uh, full of life. But of course, another shortcoming of the decentralized world is uh, the part I see like a lack of uh, efficiency because people are working for their interest. Sometimes if there's a big challenge or sometimes like if people lose the interest, then you find like it's hard for the execution efficiency because all of a sudden that people you feel like you want to depend on, he or she just disappear. That's a part like I found um, for the decentralized world. Like so, it's really good and bad both aspect. But it is, has been a really very fun journey. I really enjoy that. And uh, you feel that you can be more self-realized in decentralized sphere, yeah? Like you're as a person. Yes. Yep. So it's cool feeling. Exactly. <laughs> I know. I know what you mean because. I came into blockchain professionally, well, shall I say professionally, I don't know if that's the correct word, in 2016 or something like that, at the same time as you, 15, 16 maybe. And I came from a corporation as well, from a big corporation. And even though I was doing blockchain, I wasn't doing it for work, I was doing it for just enjoying myself. And the first thing that I noticed is the big difference between working for like what what you said when you start with blockchains you start to understand that it's a bigger mechanism and an organism that is has so many little things to it and sometimes it's hard to focus i agree sometimes it's very hard to focus but talking about revenues you, you mentioned revenues there i've read somewhere and correct me if i'm wrong that iris is a non-profit company I, i'm not the person who cares about legalities i'm one of these people, blockchain people who think code is the law, but still, why no profit? Why did you decide to go for no profit rather than profit? IrisNet is a project, so we do have Iris Foundation that is non-profit. And so it is set up uh, like the governance and also bylaw. Uh, so it is only managing the resource and trying to use that resource to develop IrisNet. But we do have a technology company uh, registered in China. So that's a traditional, how should I say, like equity-based company, and so that is called Bianjie. Bianjie is for profit. Since like uh, you are quite familiar with Cosmos, so, so just think like, Aris Foundation is like ICF, non-profit, but all in bits, or like called Tenement Inc., that is for profit, and Bianjie is for profit. Bianjie is our current developers. They are currently in China because they will need, how should I say, like the social, yeah, so basically like you need to have a company in China to support them for a lot of social security. So that's why we have Bianjie in, in, in Shanghai. That is for profit. That makes sense now because I've obviously, I have a lot of questions about Bianjie and I mispronounced it at the beginning, but now I understand how it connects and 
I've been to China before and I've been to China for work and I, I can understand very well what you mean when you say about social security and about the legalities, even though, like, like I said, I have a very different view. I can totally understand that. And my next question from this will be in particularly to Iris Hub, because Iris puts itself as a hub, not a zone. And lately in Cosmos, there was a lot of conversations about zones, hubs, competitions. What kind of hub does Iris Hub want to be? Who does it want to attract? Who is its customer? What is its product? Yeah, so that is a very good question because I know like we have been asked many times why like they need more hubs in Cosmos. And I actually I want to first answer the question like why we need more hubs, many hubs and uh, instead of one and then uh, I will also explain what the value Iris Hub want to bring to the Cosmos ecosystem. One thing I really like the Tendermint and the Cosmos architecture is its very open design and for Cosmos and actually one thing I feel like quite different with comparing with the other framework or the other project like Polkadot it is its open architecture actually just from the design it enable you to build like the multi hubs and multi rooms and so when I first heard this word I think that was in late 2017 so basically I want to say like the Iris hub the design of that we got a lot of inspiration from the, the members like Jay Kwan and also like Ethan Bucky and Zaki and we had a lot of discussion in 2017 and early 2018 so that was really a beautiful time I really missing that I remember like at that time we all discussed for Cosmos it is a decentralized internet of blockchains and we don't want to have another central just one hub because if one hub failed and it's just a single point of failure so that's why from the very beginning there is a vision for multi-hub and uh, the Iris hub uh, when we decided the design it is one to exercising to have the multi-hub collaboration and today we are still thinking very hard on the hub economics how to make like multiple hub work together in a good way to secure the internet of blockchains so that is the value proposition I think like Iris Hub should bring in really to be a good I see like the citizen that is the name of our podcast so we want to be a good citizen of the internet of blockchains and we want to work together with other hubs to provide the enhanced security to the network and also besides we also want to provide unique values to the ecosystem and that part of what we feel is our strength in building the complicated distributed business applications which involve the heavy computing is not only just can be solved by on-chain logics it in many cases it involves the computation you have to tie in resource from off-chain from like the other blockchain so that is why like the iService that is the unique layer Iris Hub provides it actually becomes uh, its value and its power has been realized by uh, more and more people these days so that's why like we started on Iris Hub the value we want to bring in I definitely agree I personally I don't know if this is correct but this is just a personal opinion I think that at least the way I imagine it is like a galaxy and each galaxy has its own, let's say, purpose, right? Maybe one galaxy is for 
healthcare and another galaxy is for AI and, and so on and so forth. And all the zones, they will find the hub that they're looking for. Could you just highlight maybe in a couple of words the differences between hubs for the moment? How you see that? So, as I mentioned, besides of the role, trying to collaborate with Cosmos Hub and just trying to like, even like to support and cover each other if anything gets wrong. That is just only one purpose. But the other more important part is, for example, the application blockchains in Asia Pacific or like in China, they will find it, it is easier to work with Iris Hub just because like we are in the same geo and uh, even like for different hub for example for Iris hub we decide we want to provide a lot of support to heavy applications so we have additional modules um, such as uh, service layer and such as uh, like the coin swap and multi-assets and all these things and uh, sometimes like it is very difficult say like if we only have one hub and then for the governance for people agree to take all those capability but for the separate hub then it is always easier we can try out the different focus and iris hub want to focus on to support the distributed business applications and also want to support asia pacific so that's why even today a lot of our collaborators it is in asia pacific yeah thank you so for the moment um I welcome only Pacific Asia region projects or every project welcome to come to your hub and you will uh, happy to see another project. Actually, I think like the beauty of blockchain is open and we are very open to every collaborators from anywhere with any background as long as we feel there's uh, mutual values it can establish through the collaboration focus on the asia pacific is only from like the ecosystem development part so if we have to get into a physical meeting then sometimes like it is easy for some project in china but these days with more and more the virtual communication uh, way people all get familiar with. We are, indeed, we're also working quite globally. For example, we had the discussion with Kava team, Chainlink team, and uh, so we are actually uh, very open to work with anyone. Yeah, it's definitely a beauty of blockchain. Yeah, and we don't want to set any limits or like constraint. We want to be really very, very open. We also know like what is the things we can do more efficiently and better, but we always want to keep an open mind and uh, we want to try best find the good way to provide value to other projects and also trying to find the value how the other things can bring to the interchain ecosystem this i think why we all here in the first place right to make it all as big as we can the big universe the centralized universe but i have a slightly different question for you uh, i have one question about ai because obviously well first of all bianji is bianji ai and you obviously were focused on ai right now there is to calculate good algorithms we need a very high output and the problem is with on-chain capabilities are still very limited 
how do you see this connection of blockchain and AI right now? Do you think that, because I'm not going to name projects, I will ask you instead, because there is about what, like eight projects that are to do with AI and out of those eight, maybe two seem a little bit promising. But anyways, to me, every time I look at it, I think, okay, guys, but you have all these calculations and somehow <laughs> we only have all this much capability, on-chain capability. So what do we do? What do you think? We do have the AI in our company name, but these days actually when we are branding the the Bianjie, we usually just call the first part Bianjie. I want to share why like we're doing that. When we started with Bianjie, as I mentioned, my background is on AI and uh, I was trained to be an AI practitioner. Like I actually started robotics in Carnegie Mellon. So originally I thought like I would just use blockchain to do the distributed data exchange and uh, analytics. So that's why we had AI in our company name. But later on we found like we have to do really a lot of work for the foundation. Instead, directly jump into the higher level application layer. Today, we are still doing a lot of data-related application, blockchain applications. Indeed, like Bianjie, as I mentioned, it is a profit company. So we, we have our business actually in two parts. One is Arisnet, provide technology development. And also, we are developing consortium blockchain for our customers. And those projects involve a lot of data processing and privacy computing. So in terms of AI and blockchain, I feel like it, the easy way for AI and blockchain can work together is actually started with application-specific blockchain. Uh, actually, that's really a long story. I'm not so sure if I, I want to get into that. So I would think like AI, if you want to really make it work, you have to get it work with the domain problems. There are many reasons for that. And also you need to work very closely with the data. So that's why I feel like application-specific blockchains rather than generic AI plus blockchain framework. And uh, with that part said, use Iris SDK and Iris uh, code base to build this type of application is uh, very convenient because that is what we are doing today. Uh, when we are doing those heavy data processing projects, we have all this data crunching work as the off-chain processing service. And uh, for on-chain, we just use that to collaborate and uh, to coordinate the results and make like the interaction can be trustworthy. So that's how we are doing that. That does actually answer a few of the questions I had apart from that. But you did mention the word consortium. And I have read one of your interviews about Iris and it had the, the words Iris Service Consortium Hub. I more or less understood, but I would like you to expand on that and maybe to explain to everybody who's going to listen to it. What does it mean? I would say like for a lot of our blockchain practitioners, you are all very familiar with the open public blockchain. But today, still for the enterprise, actually consortium blockchain also adjusts many important requirements. For example, like the security and also the governance requirements. So consortium blockchain makes a lot of sense. And we are actually building parallel product like Iris Hub. Iris Hub is an open interchain service hub. And uh, the, we are also building a, another consortium blockchain product. 
Oh, by the way, we are also doing like more branding because we don't want to just give a separate name to all the application we build. Right now, we just rebrand like all the, for example, the interchain service consortium blockchain that is also a part of Arita. So we actually call our enterprise version of the SDK and also the platform product like get that into the Arita. So basically, it's just Aris Hub and also Arita. Arita is kind of like the uh, Aris Hub's enterprise version. And that is the consortium version. And that one, it has a lot of uh, enterprise required feature. For example, the ID management, the certificate authority, and also the privacy computing. We build the edge server. And also we already build the, the PRE, PRE server. So by this way, like the, the storage can be managed in a secure way and uh, can protect the data privacy. So all these things is in Arita. And uh, for Arita, like uh, one example I want to use to show like why consortium blockchain also has its value. I'm not so sure if you read the news about China blockchain service network. Y yes, of course, yeah. Since like that is infrastructure in China and uh, it's going to target for many domestic users. So consortium blockchain is going to play a very important role. And also like, I don't know if that is good or bad, but in China for the applications, all the operator and user KYC is needed. So that's why like CA and all these things and of course, for Arita, we are also building like several layers of security. Of course, on the network layer, they are blacklist and whitelist, but I remember these days we should call it other name, so we probably shouldn't use blacklist or whitelist or something. I understand what you mean, so go on. <laughs> so for the consortium blockchain, just for the enhanced security, they are, we built several layers of uh, configurations. So it can be customized by the enterprise requirements. So that's why BSN currently is working together with NAS. We are going to build a, a consortium interchain service hub. And so by this way, all the service providers and service users, they can work with the certificate, certificate authority service. And also they can work with the data service. For example, like the Oracle service provided by Chainlink. All these type of things, but so you can think like Arita. It's just like an enterprise version of Iris. This kind of opens up a lot of questions. I don't know if we obviously have the time for all of them, but this is up to you. But the first question I have from this, because you talk a lot about specific cases, and and I think that's correct because obviously we've seen uh, from information technology to everything else that modular environments work much better and blockchain is, is a good example. So the obvious question that I have to ask, what are the use cases today? Who are the users of Iris SDK today? Is there any maybe AI projects or healthcare projects or someone who is already developing on Iris SDK, not on Cosmos SDK? Yeah, so. so I would say like Arita is uh, built using like, I have to make it very concrete. Indeed, uh, we did a soft 
fork of uh, Cosmos SDK just because we want to add many more capabilities. And of course, we're also working with Tendermint team trying to upstream it for like those useful modules. And hopefully like that can be back to the Cosmos SDK and everyone can use it. But anyway, like on this soft fork of Cosmos SDK, we're adding more things like the service and also like for example like those modules for privacy computing and for the id management and those things they also being used to build arita and uh, also we use that sdk build many applications like one example is uh, healthcare data exchange we build with foresan Foresan is one of the biggest healthcare conglomerate in China and they have a subsidiary company called HealthLink and the blockchain actually is built by NAS. Well, we use the Iris SDK build that because it involves a lot of heavy off-chain computing and iService play a very important role there. We also like worked with uh, manufacturing company to build the supply chain finance blockchain and for that one like the account payable and the invoice and they can be created on the blockchain as a non-fungible asset and that non-fungible asset can be then have this liquidity to help those small SMB to do the to do the loan application. So that is another example like we are using the uh, Iris SDK. This sounds good because I think it doesn't matter if somebody who's listening to us is, a, I don't know if it's correct to say the word investor, but okay, whatever. If somebody is an investor into Iris or Atom or both, I think it's important to understand that we have a growing ecosystem, that it's not just because obviously we have a project as well. We obviously doing the same thing. And sometimes a lot of people ask us, okay, you have a lot of ideas, but where is the realization? And I think it's important for people who, who get into this ecosystem to understand that there are realizations, there is real use cases. The next thing I want to ask you, maybe the last working thing, and, and I have a couple of more questions is, obviously a hub is not just about SDK and everything else. There is also the governance part. And I think that... You obviously noticed that lately in, in the Cosmos Hub, we've seen Proposal 25, Proposal 26, which have both been proposals to the community spend and our original ways of trying to use the community pool. Now, I have the same question. What is the plans for Iris Hub here? Is Iris Hub, does it have a community pool? If yes, how does it work? Can projects come and say, hey, I want to build on iris or i want to build something for uh, whatever how does it work with iris i would give a lot of also credit actually back to the cosmos for the iris net we learned a lot actually from the design of the cosmos hub like for example like the governance and all these things so of course like iris hub also has the community pool but uh, because of uh, if we have to look into the price of the iris so then the worth of the pool is not so big because we we do have the tax and also like for example like foundations delegation all the new block provision the foundation get we actually donate that directly to the pool so iris hub has a pool but besides of that there are even another nice thing since like iris hub is designed later than 
Cosmos Hub. So for the token economics design, from the beginning, we actually reserved a big portion. We have about, I think it's 35% of the Iris token. That is for the community development. And so if like people, we publish the address on Iris Foundation's the homepage. So the governance for that part is the token from the community development portion can only use on like the to support the uh, related application development or community development. So nobody should never, for example, foundation cannot never sell those tokens. Those tokens is really there for the developers, for the community builders. And we haven't do a good job to spend like a lot on the community fund portion. Although like we do have a few like grant programs such as validator support program and also the uh, community builder program and also like for the application we actually funded a couple of applications already and uh, we're also very interested to uh, working with many projects together and uh, people can all apply for we have a lot of iris token in the in the ecosystem community for, for that portion and we want to use that to build iris we already talked a little bit um, about specific of uh, Pacific Asia region and you mentioned uh, that KYC is necessary. Uh, what other features of uh, Pacific market you can uh, highlight for the moment? Could you tell us a little bit more about this? Right. So Anna, I think you get a really a very beautiful point. Like uh, this is really a quite diverse and a big world. Every region, they have their different characteristics. And uh, for China, I think there are many things. So it's hard to say it's good or bad, but there's a reason it is there. And uh, uh, we are trying to use the technology to make sure to support things are going to the good direction to really help people and support people. And in China, like of course, for the enterprise, like all these applications, as I mentioned, they are required like KYC, because by this way, the good part of that is then the whoever is providing service on the blockchain and also for whoever is using that service, you know very clearly who is behind of that. By this way, then it is easier to, if there's a bad guy or whoever, like they are just enhanced layer of safety and security. So that's why in China, like the consortium blockchain, and uh, I think like all the applications, the internet applications, they will all need to have the KYC. So that's why like uh, we have ID management uh, in the, but consortium chain all need ID environment because enterprise, they want to know like who is using that service. Let me try to think about any other specific requirements in the, especially in the China. I think the biggest part is really on this ID management. And of course, I have to say like tokenless. In China, blockchain has to be tokenless, although I will give no comment if that is good or bad, but there's a reason behind for that and I'm very optimistic so we want to be the builders. I think like we just need to give more patience and then when people understand the technology better and then uh, they will be more open to adopt it. So I'm very optimistic over the growth, but at this moment it is all tokenless. Yeah. Uh, do you feel that uh, blockchain is one of uh, the technologies that support it in your region? 
my region, if say like I'm currently in China, and uh, I would say I'm very happy actually the blockchain get the support from many many layers, and so that part allowed us to see the fast development of the technology. So it really get our support, and uh, so those things are really good because in the past without blockchain, there are just so many area. It is so intransparent. You don't know what is going on, and uh, there might be bad things happening. There might be something like it's just manipulated by power. But with blockchain, even like it's still like consumption blockchain, it started to adding more transparency and efficiency into the interactions. I'm very happy to see that adoption of blockchain in China. It certainly is changing things. That is true because when I was,、uh, like I said, when I traveled to China, I think last time in 2018, I think 18, and、uh, I was in different cities. I was in、uh, Beijing, in Shanghai, in Guangzhou, in in different places, and there was a lot of, especially I think in Shanghai and and、um, Guangzhou, it felt like a lot of blockchain, but it was very specific. It wasn't like everywhere else. It wasn't like in Europe. It was a little bit different. It's a different vibe, but I can definitely say that one thing I did, at least felt, is that blockchain is more supported. I don't know if it's good or bad, but definitely blockchain in the South Asia region to me feels more supported on different layers of the state. So again, I'm not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I definitely understand. Now I have a different question though because. We do want to understand a little bit about you, and before you run away, sounds like you're very technological. It sounds like you you had experience with IBM, with the blockchain, and with other things that I've seen. How did you choose technology? Why not doctor? Why not a politician? Why not a lawyer? I mean,、uh, I I'm sorry to single you out, <laughs> but I want to understand the story. I mean, why did you decide this?、Um... Yeah, actually, you know what? Like my parents, they always wanted me to be a doctor, and they are trying to、uh, get me <laughs> into the medical school. But actually, I backed out at the last moment when I'm filling in my application <laughs> because I just always loved math and I love physics, and I was good. I was very good with that. I was not very good with English, not very good with Chinese, like all these.、Uh, Liberal arts and also、uh, history. So I'm actually my mind is actually more like engineering、uh, oriented. So that's why I really enjoyed so much like my college study in Tsinghua and in Carnegie Mellon and also my career in IBM. I really enjoy like all the building process. And the engineering process, and also I'm extremely happy. I'm currently in blockchain technology. It's such a fun area. So many challenges you can solve. Did you ever regret not becoming a doctor? Did you ever think that, oh my God, I would want to be a doctor. I would be happier than doing this. The only regret I had is, if I was a doctor, then maybe at this time, just all my experience already. How should I say? Like because in the technology field, you always need to keep on learning, and they're just every year, every month, like the new thing come up. Sometimes, like you feel like, okay, if I was a doctor, maybe I could just take a vacation, and I don't need to.、Uh, <laughs> but I still enjoy the process of uh, uh, learning all these new things, and also especially building them. 
see them work. So that's a part I really enjoy. So I. But well, what about your parents? I mean, are they are they happy? They wish I could be a doctor because I think now they're getting old. Like the healthcare service,、uh, I would say like it's always scarce, scarce resource. I wish like at least anything we could do, for example, from technology side, if we could help the healthcare system,、uh, and that's the part I want to do. Although I was not a doctor myself, but、um, of course I think parents they want their children to be doctor. <laughs> they can get better healthcare support, but they are proud. They are very proud of me. So I'm happy for for that. So and do you have any specific plan for your kids? No, actually, my kids they are quite different from myself and my husband. Like both, like myself and my husbands are all kind of like engineer, and my boy he's definitely a very good techy engineer. He's so good with robotics, and so I'm amazed with like the robot he built. I'm very proud of him. So he's probably will go into the the engineering route. But my daughter, she's an artist. She like drawing. She like singing. So I think we want to give them just the flexibility, and we want them to do the thing they they like. They would enjoy for their whole life. So I think like kids, they're just so different. Well, so they are the they are coming out from the same parents. But my boy and my girl, they're just so different. But I'm very proud of them. They are all very good kids, very sweet. Thanks for answering this because you know I think it's cool to understand a little bit about the person. I think it opens up、uh, people to the project as well, personally. And for before we let you go, I have a somewhat of a traditional one last question to ask you. A traditional question. You've obviously been around blockchain for a long time as well. So the traditional question is: What is the three blockchain projects outside of Cosmos ecosystem, not top coin market cap, that you are excited about? You don't have to say three, but at least some projects that you think are interesting. I think it's probably there are many, many very brilliant ideas out there and exciting projects there. So I'm going just to say I feel like I'm more familiar with, and、uh, just because I got the opportunity to interact with the team member more. For example, Sonana, their consensus, the design I think that has new innovation, and I really love it. And also for Near, like the high performance. And also the so that project I also like, and also I like Platon. Platon I I'm not so sure if many people heard about that, and it focuses on the privacy computing. We had a many discussion with them, and I'm quite looking forward for their progress and want to integrate their privacy computing as a service. So many other blockchains they can just use that, and instead of all trying to spend a lot of resource, and、uh, so they can all focus on building new things. So those are the three things I really like, but I think there are definitely many other things. Just because I just didn't have the opportunity to get to know the team yet, but I I want to learn more. Thank you. I think it's it's very interesting from what I've noticed to a lot of listeners to listen to the opinion of, of people like you who make big projects, who are founders or or developers of big projects, and it's interesting that actually. A lot of the people we talk to name the same projects, and it's very, it's very ironic because it means that you know we all think on the same line. Is there anything you want to add that we didn't ask you, maybe? I really enjoyed this podcast because, like, we got a chance to discuss many things, not just on technology, but also on like. 
I think on many aspects. So I really enjoyed this discussion. I really enjoyed this podcast. It's so different from all the other like panels and the interviews I did. Thanks for coming on, and we really did enjoy having you. And we will hope that maybe sometime in the future we will have somebody or you again from Iris and see how the progress has been over the the year. So. Thanks everybody for listening, and thanks everybody for tuning in. And I hope you guys join us next time. Goodbye from us.